The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded. This is Patrick Bexell. We're going into the top five of the top 25, under 25. Um, we have a very special guest here, site manager for our sister site, Second City Hockey. And uh, Dave Melton, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Patrick. It's my pleasure to be here. Um, well, you guys should see his office. You know, the punk rock <laughs> posters behind him are, are I'm going to be distracted. I'm just going to give it that. Like, But we're here, obviously, since we've got Second City on and, and uh, uh, Dave on, you know, we're going to have to talk about Kirby Dak. Uh, mm-hmm. Recently signed with the Montreal Canadiens. A very good contract, I think. Um, 3.2 over a couple of years was four years, still an unrestricted free agent or restricted free agent when he goes out. I don't have the notes in front of me, and I'm sorry for being a bad bad host. But, uh, yeah, very, very interesting. We waited for this. The rumor has it, or they've confirmed it, that the uh, deal was in place before they picked Uri Slavkovsky as number one in this year's draft. And then they shipped off Alexander Romanov for number 13 to trade for Kirby Dak from uh, Chicago Blackhawks. So it was, they knew they were getting a center anyway. And Mm -hmm. down the line in the draft, we saw them picking some very interesting centers as well with Meshar and uh, Owen Beck as well. So Mm -hmm. yeah, they filled up the cupboard. But uh, (laughs) yeah, Dave, uh, first and foremost, how is things going? Um, Well, I I guess we're, we're in a situation where we know the Hawks are going to be bad. So like the expectations could not be any lower. Um, so from that perspective, I guess uh, you can't be disappointed when your expectations are on the ground. So, so that's nice. I, after, after last season where like, I think the most optimistic take we could offer is maybe they'd compete for a playoff spot. And then they lost, uh, I think 10 of their first 11 and quickly reminded us that, no, they're not going to do that. And then all the other stuff happened as well. I think we're just, uh, uh, I, I don't know if I am fully, uh, uh, ready for how long the, an 82 game season is going to be when your organization that you cheer for is actively doing everything in their possible uh, in their power to not win games. Um, you know, just just as a pro tip here, you know, talk prospects. <laughs> oh, I, well, I, I've already like we've already been charting out like you know the the Hawks minor league team is roughly a two hour drive from where I live. Um, the University of Notre Dame is about an mm-hmm. hour away. There's a few prospects there, and the, all the Hawks college prospects will roll through there. So uh, I don't know if I'm going to go to a, a single Hawks game because I'd rather like the team on the ice, you know, I, I don't know uh, how much I want to watch Max Domi as a top line forward, but that, that's well, what they're at. It's a good draft to bottom out in as well. Uh, you you know, know, that's, it's just. Be it, bad it, for Bedard. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, it, it is a, it's kind of a scary thing when it seems like their entire organizational philosophy right now is let's go get Connor Bedard and 
it's not a guaranteed thing. It's really hard to be the worst team in the NHL. And no, even I if saw, you are, we did it last year, it was very easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even if you are the worst team in the NHL, you still might not get the number one pick because there's still a lottery involved. Yeah. So, and but uh, it's a good draft in general. You would assume that Mitchkov is still going to be at number three or four because of the Russian factor and the long contract. Mm-hmm. And there are other players that are coming up. And we, I wouldn't surprise me if someone jumps the list a little bit, a similar way to Uri Selkovsky. There are no Olympics to perform in this year, but mm-hmm. men's league will carry a little bit more weight, probably. And uh, especially if you put up some numbers. Uh, going back, though, um, one of the uh, very good entries and and uh, performances on your top 25 under 25 the recent years has been Kirby Dach and mm-hmm. really he's is not an unknown but he's right. not very well known for Montrealers mm-hmm. so what can you tell us about him uh, it's just it's been his entire situation has just been uh like a roller coaster ride for lack of a better term it just you know there was there, there's a lot of belief that he was rushed to the NHL, um, whether that was for uh, like PR purposes by the team or just because they wanted to get him up there as soon as possible. Like he might have benefited from another year in the juniors where he just you know went back to Saskatoon and put up a point and a half per game and just completely dominated that league because he didn't really have that year. Uh, he was very good in his last year before he got drafted, but he wasn't quite like the you know, Connor Bedarding his way through the juniors as a, to use that as a verb, but um, you know, he showed a lot of promise and I, we were talking about this a little bit before, but uh, there was, there was so much promise out of Kirby doc in the bubble in 2020 in that nine game sample where the Hawks beat the Oilers and then lost to the Knights. Um, Kirby doc might have been their best player at, at minimum. He was their best center. Uh, and, and then, you know, when he came back for the, the, the pre-tournament game, against Russia and broke his wrist it just seemed like everything went downhill from there and there was also you know the Hawks had plenty of the off-ice drama um they had they they fired their coach 10 games into a season uh and then they brought up their AHL level coach to replace him so the entire Hawks organization has been in a very tumultuous state for the last few years and when you take a number three draft pick and throw him into the middle of that um maximizing potential is not necessarily going to happen. And I think that was, it's part, you know, Kirby docs not developing as well as everyone wanted him to. And also the organization didn't do him any favors. Indeed. And uh, you, you have, it, it seems like, and this is from afar and, and obviously very far from the other side of the <laughs> pond, but, <Yes. laughs> but it also seems a little bit like, does he have a problem with the confidence? Because when things go well, it goes really well. And when things goes a little bit bad, it goes the other way around. Yeah, it, I, it does seem like there is something between the ears that's not quite clicking with Kirby Doc. And that's it's that's a very hard thing from an outside perspective, whether you're across the pond or not. It's a very hard thing to uh, to quantify because I, I don't I've never talked to Kirby Doc before. But there, like it seemed like there were times where you could like see the wheels turning in his head when he was trying to make a play of like, what should I do in this situation? And then you, you take that half second to think, and you don't have that half second in the NHL. And then the defenders on him, the back checks caught up, whatever. Um, Like his, his best part of the game, like his transition game was always pretty good. Like when it was, you know, get the puck on his stick, get it off to his winger, you know, 
breakout pass from his own end. Like those parts of the game were always good, but whenever he got, it seemed like when he got into the offensive zone and there was like the, the moment of creativity with uh, like, you know, we get to watch Patrick Kane a lot. Patrick Kane is instantaneous of like, I'm going to shoot this. I'm going to pass this, whatever. And that's part of what makes him so effective is he usually knows what he's doing before the puck gets to him. Kirby doc seemed like he was half a second behind in that thought process. And that was part of the reason why he was, uh, less than effective on the uh, on the offensive side of the game indeed and um you you, you would say like um he's he's very good at zone entries and exits mm-hmm. but yeah. where does you know what happens between that and and after that and and that's where it comes in and and do you think that if you surround him by maybe better players than he played with in 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 the lineup because in it seems like he's being penciled in at the moment or, or so, sooner rather than later will be uh, a second line center and that and, yeah like that it, it may be I, I guess the the hesitancy i would have with that and um with like whenever doc was paired with patrick kane it always seemed like he deferred to patrick kane too much like it was get the puck across the blue line and then find 88 and that like not necessarily the worst strategy in the world, but at times like, you know, there were situations where doc needed to go to the net and shoot or create a scoring chance himself. And he didn't do that. He tried to defer to Kane because Patrick Kane's good at hockey. Um, So I I think that kind of goes back to the confidence thing where there are situations where he needs to make the play himself. And so if he's put online with better skaters, if, if he, if they can sort it out between the ears to the part where he can create himself create plays for himself and for others at the same time like it, in theory it could absolutely work out uh it's just a matter of uh getting doc to understand the situations where you know where he needs to pass or he needs to make the play himself because there there were so many instances last season where um you know twitter screaming shoot the puck all at once in all caps and with doc there's a lot of times where those screams were absolutely justified because he just didn't he had a scoring chance himself and he didn't take it do you still see him as a prospect or a project uh, or or has he reached his uh, ceiling? I, I lean closer to project. Like I, there's still gotta be something there. I, I think one of our other staffers, uh, LBR was adamant about like that, that there's something there and I'll give her credit because she, she was the one always talking us off the ledge when we were like ready to trade doc in the middle of last season. And like the, the player we always came back to was Sean Couturier from the flyers. Mm-hmm who had, you know, had a whole bunch of injury issues, bounce around. And then after three or four years, something just clicked for him. And now he, and he became a very good NHL player. Like there's still, there's still something within Kirby doc to unearth, I guess would be the word. Like there, there's, there's a legitimate hockey player there. It's just, it's going to take a, you know, and maybe the change of scenery helps him. It's just, it's going to take a, a better situation than he was in in Chicago uh, to get that player to emerge. And I also think like there, there's things he probably needs to do better himself to make that all work out. Um, as a former player, can you see Martin San Louis being that guy to mold out the best of Kirby Dak? It certainly wouldn't hurt. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's just there's like I, I it's so that that coaching thing is such a tricky thing because like the Blackhawks haven't really developed much of anybody in the last five, six years. Um, Alex Debrink, it's the only draft pick they've had that's been worth anything, and he pretty much developed himself. So uh, if you have a coach that is with a reputation for nurturing young talent and, and getting it to work, like there's, again, I 
Marty St. Louis would seem to be a better option for that than Jeremy Colleton was in Chicago, but Jeremy Colleton doesn't have any sort of track record whatsoever. Hey, so, be nice to the Swedish hockey league here. I, I, I always <laughs> like I Jeremy Colleton, the person, he seemed like a great dude. I, I enjoyed like he would uh, off the ice. He seems like a guy I'd love to have a beer with. I just didn't enjoy Jeremy Colleton, the NHL head coach. <laughs> They were better coaches in the in the SHL. They should have taken if they wanted an an outside coach looking in. Yeah. Like. <laughs> well, well, but just a hey, the 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 prior regime thought they were like, oh, th- we we found this guy in Sweden. He's really good, so we're going to make him our head coach. And then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on what kind of you're looking for—a lottery pick or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess. Um, well, uh, w- when you look at data. It's very good. I mean, like I, I'm quoting Nathan Nice here, uh, uh, Nathan Nice uh, article uh, from from when Dach was traded uh, to Montreal. Unsurprisingly, uh, Dach's performance with good linemen's uh, linemates surpasses his performance with bad ones. However, the gulf between the two extremes is shockingly wide. With Kane, Debrinket, and even Hegel, Dach put up 1.3 plus points per 60 minutes, five on five. However, with Kurochev and Kubalik, that number craters to 0.4 to 0.5 over 60 minutes. Um, this, you know, for a season, that's going to matter. Mm-hmm. Do you think he can, w- with those line mates, with maybe, you know, Uri Slavkovsky or Josh Anderson or, or Brennan Gallagher on the other side, are, are those players that could lift him or will they be players that could crater him? Well, he can he could certainly like, he has the skills to play up with top talent. Like you, like the thing that made him Kane and Dabrinkit so good is because we were talking earlier about doc being good on the rush. Kane and Dabrinkit were great off the rush. Well, so the three of them together, like, you know, they get a quick three on two counter or something like that. Um, it often resulted in a very good scoring chance and, and often goals. Uh, anytime those guys had to like try and set up in the offensive zone didn't work out as well. Um, Because that's when, like, the situations where Doc maybe would overthink or uh, just hesitate just enough, like, those are the instances where uh, it didn't work out as well. So if if Gallagher and uh, Josh Anderson, guys like that, like, if they're they're good players off the rush, that would be the best thing for Kirby Doc, is to find other players who can think the game, think the transition game as well as he does and as quickly as he can um, to make that all work. Because, again, those are the instances where it seemed like Doc was at his best was – uh, quick counters and all that. So if you have some forwards like that to to pair with them, that would be the best situation for Doc overall. How much lingering is there, or, or concern lingering is there around his his wrist injury? It seemed like it was healthy. Like I I can't. Um, well, you're a medical it, doctor, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just play one on TV. Yeah. Um, no, like it, it seemed like he was fully recovered. Like he, it seemed like they rushed him back at the end of the 2021 season, which he he broke the wrist in like right around Christmas time, and then they brought him back in like uh, that season like carried on until May, I believe, and they brought him back in like late March, early April, and played him for a handful of games, and then shut him down, which told you that maybe he shouldn't have been back at all. Um, and then it seemed like he had a clean bill of health coming into the last season and, and he played all the way through it. Didn't have, uh, I believe he had a concussion. He had, he had, a, he missed a chunk of games at some point in last season. It wasn't related to the wrist. So he seems overall physically healthy. There's not any lingering issues uh, from last season. It's just a matter of uh, again, with, with Kirby doc, it's, it seems like it's all of a uh, 
confidence situation more than anything else with him. Well, you, you're, you've been a site manager for some time, but but mm -hmm. um, what do you think can be the best way to handling a, a, a uh, um, psychological issue like that or a confidence issue? Is it going to the uh, to, to the team shrink or is it going to <laughs> to uh, finding it out somewhere else or, or working working through it, which is maybe the the hockey way? Yeah, well, getting him out of Chicago is probably a good start because there's the again the whole organizational situation was not very good up there. And and honestly, like one of the worst things I think that happened for Kirby Doc last season was when Kale McCarr walked right around him and uh, scored that overtime highlight goal, mm -hmm. which I can't remember when that happened. But as soon as that happened, it was like, oh great, this highlight's going to be everywhere for the next three months. And it's Kale McCarr scoring a goal, which he he makes a lot of people look bad. But when you have a young player trying to find his footing in the NHL to be on the uh, the short end of a highlight reel doesn't help anyone. So getting him out of Chicago, I think is a good start. And I think it's just, uh, it's it's putting him on the ice and just like giving him a month, you know, give him a good stretch of games with the same line mates, let him build some chemistry with some guys. Um, and that gets and into make a him know that if he doesn't succeed, it's exactly. It's, yeah. It's, it's not the end of the world. And that's, that's such, you know, it gets into a little bit of like a, like a chicken and the egg argument of mm. where like, like you need the players to have to have chemistry together to have success, but they don't have success together. They're not going to be held uh, kept together long enough to have chemistry. Um, and and I guess it just kind of depends on what Montreal is looking to do this season. Like if they have the patience to give him a couple line mates that you give him a month, regardless of the results in the standings uh, and just like try and build some chemistry. Cause there's, I, I think if you can find other players that he meshes with on the ice, that will help immensely. I, I just, they're, they're it's, uh, it, it's such a tricky thing when you're trying to talk about a player's confidence and mental makeup and all that, because, you know, there's only so much you can see from this, uh, from the TV screen, but it seems like it, with doc, the biggest hurdle for him to get over was his own mental, his own confidence, I guess. Um, looking, I mean, obviously worst case scenario, AHL or trade directly out with, with the contract <laughs> like that is, is probably not going to happen, but, but uh -huh. that's the worst case scenario. Expectations wise, best case scenario, or or, or me, maybe even a normal case scenario. What would we would considering good case scenario? What what would you expect from Kirby Dach in well new surroundings and obviously with decent mm -hmm. teammates that he has, you know, some chemistry with, point wise or or even you know if we're looking at his game type. I, I mean, I think ideally for Kirby Dach, like the if he was going to be like a franchise cornerstone, like he was drafted number three overall, which is the same as Jonathan Taves. If he was going to be the next Taves, we would have seen that a few years ago. So I, I don't think you're going to get like the next franchise foundation out of him. Most likely. I think the most ideal thing you could expect out of Kirby doc is if he gets into a good situation and everything clicks, you have your second line center for the next four years. And, and that's that's not, you know, uh, a, a second line center clocked in at it looks like three point four million for the next four years. Seems like a pretty good deal. I, and I, I think there's there's reasons to expect him to get there. Uh, it's just, you know, it's uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of chemistry and science behind the scenes to make that all click. But, yeah, you, you could have your second line center acquired uh, for the next four years, which ain't, isn't a bad deal. No. And that's when the other centers will start to pop up as well. So, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Well, and then if you have too many centers, I, that's uh, that's up there with the best problems to have in the NHL. Yeah. Along with obviously the best goalie in the world being mm -hmm. going on retirement, maybe. Yeah. But but uh, yeah, 
let's not talk about that. Not to dwell on on on, on, on terrible things. We're yeah. looking forward to to maybe have you on uh, before one of the uh, you know bottom bottom games for for the season with. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before the uh, two free points that Montreal collects from Chicago, because yeah. that's, they're giving away. I mean, they're they're ending the season with uh, Peter Barazic, who just had a terrible season, and uh, Alex Daylock, who's had a bunch of issues. So even if like the on ice player, their their skaters are good, like uh, they could be giving up four goals a night. So uh, come but to Chicago, are, we got be, two free points. There are a few really good bad teams going out this year. It's like that's yeah, like. Like Arizona's not going to be good. No. Uh, like Seattle uh, is probably not going to be good. Seattle, yeah. Like that's I, I think I said earlier about like their the Hawks only drafted number one overall once in their entire franchise's history, and I believe they were sixth or seventh that year from the bottom and won the lottery to get Patrick Kane. So, you know, they they would have taken get Connor Bedard, but oh man, like I've got this is I I hate tanking. This is my. I will uh, die on this hill of this is the worst thing about sports in America because European leagues don't do this because if you tank, you get relegated. Uh, I hate that they're doing this. It goes against everything I enjoy about sports, but I understand why they're doing it, but I still hate it. <laughs> well, I, I know I've spoken to quite a few Americans uh, or Canadians playing in the SHL and they all go mm-hmm. like, it's really crazy at deadline day. You got the, you got the crap teams buying everyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because yeah, they want just, to avoid relegation. <laughs> the the entire the completely different mindset because of the promotion relegation or lack yeah. thereof. It's two completely different worlds. Yeah, and, and, but it's and sports that, all yeah. the time, and and, and there are pros and, and cons with both systems. Yeah, exactly. And I but I and I feel like it. It's we're so far now. It'll never come to North America, and that bums me out because the more I get into the Premier League and even like the European hockey leagues, they have a Champions League. Like, uh, I think it's just ongoing right now because I've seen their yeah. the Champions League Twitter account tweeting all these highlights. Uh, I would love it, but, you know, losing battle, I guess. Well, it, it would be kind of cool to have some sort of an FA Cup with the with, with the yeah. hockey teams in in uh, AHL and NHL and, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, get a few kinds of upsets here and there and... and uh, but but that's for another. That's a whole other topic that we could probably dwell on for a couple of hours as well. Yes, yes, we could. We absolutely. need to bring beers for that one. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but Dave, it's been a pleasure having you on, and mm-hmm. uh, we appreciate you taking the time, informing you uh, us all uh, of what we can expect, maybe, and and what we hope to see from Kirby Dak, number five on Montreal's Canadiens top twenty-five under twenty-five. We're coming back tomorrow with an either better episode maybe not better but uh, <laughs> a a player we know a little bit more about i'll, yeah, I'll leave okay. you to that <laughs> yeah well i guess i will i'll we'll have to check back in around uh, january or february and see uh, see what happened with doc over in montreal because i'm i'm as curious as anybody because as we were talking earlier like uh the hawks haven't really developed anyone lately so if doc goes somewhere else and develops like and that'll be a further indictment against the prior regime in in chicago so well, we'll have you on around Christmas when, you know, we have that week where nothing happens. So uh, mm-hmm. we can exchange stories and uh, Christmas gifts, maybe. <laughs> yeah, there we go. A yeah. Christmas beer or two. Yeah. Well, and and uh, then when after we record, we watch the uh, uh, Boxing Day soccer together. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, now, now you're speaking my language. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, the last few minutes you can, well, if you haven't really stopped, you can stop now. Uh, thank you, Dave, <laughs> for joining us and uh, be sure to to hit up Second City Hockey, always been around uh, as, a, as a very good site. 
uh, with their coverage for the Chicago Blackhawks. Thanks, Patrick.